Hey mamas, and welcome to the Entering Motherhood podcast. This is your one-stop, go-to place for getting you from feeling drained, exhausted, and unfulfilled in motherhood to feeling more energized, organized, and accomplished. That's the vision I continue to navigate towards, and that's the vision we are sharing with you, focusing on holistic alternatives and restructuring your mind, body, and soul from the inside out. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Bilger, a wife, mom of two, mechanical engineer, VBAC mom, and doula, serving mamas through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. If you're here for this, if you're as pumped up as I am and searching for that fire that you know is deep inside of you, then let's go. Let's uncover what it truly means to enter motherhood. You are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. mamas. In this episode, we talk with Maddie Yates, who is a local doula and the owner of Greenville Doula Besties. In this episode specifically, we dive into Maddie's personal journey and how she herself was an emergency cesarean baby and how over the years that experience has really inspired her to become a doula and we go into the impact that she has had on mothers in the community and also the healing experience that she has been able to share with her own mother and we talk about setting boundaries and granting yourself grace and really just processing all the overwhelming information that comes with being a mother and how having a doula by your side can really help simplify and demystify the birth and postpartum experience. So get ready for an empowering and insightful episode. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I am excited to get this conversation started and get going today. So how about you start off by introducing yourself? I'm excited too. I'm Maddie Yates with Greenville Doula Besties. I am a South Carolina native, birth and postpartum doula, placenta encapsulator, and embroidery enthusiast. Awesome. That's so, I I think it's crazy, like being someone that is not a native to Greenville, South Carolina, like actually finding the people that originally are from here, because I think it has become such a hub for transplants. So it's true. <laughs> like, it's, I don't it's think... wild to, to know that you are from here originally. Oh, totally. I think a lot of people love raising their families here because 80% of my clients, my mamas are from out of state and they moved here to raise a family, which is crazy to me. Uh, But I love the growth because it has brought so much business and excitement and resources to our area, which that part's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to, you know, you grew up here and you've been here, but what has gotten you into birth work and what really kind of propelled you into the path that you are on today? Oh my goodness. There's so many layers to this, but a really quick version. Um, I was my mom's first and I ended up being an emergency cesarean birth. 
And I know that it was really traumatic for my mom. Growing up, I saw her scar. I um, heard about her birth experiences. And even as a young girl, I knew I wanted to have a family and I knew that it could be scary. And I, so I wanted to educate myself on everything I could possibly know about my body. I was obsessed with just anything that could change the tides or make me feel safer with that process. Cause I was like, I can't not do that part and then have kids <laughs> like, and so that was the path I ended up taking. So in college, I took a women's health course. The first day the professor was like, when I go through menopause, I'm going to throw my uterus a party. And I was like, who is this woman? She does not fear her body. <laughs> she loves it. In fact, she wants to throw it a party. I don't really understand this. Um, she was a doula, which was cool. That was the first time I heard about birth plans, about um, the really detailed aspects of women's physiology and um, health choices that I didn't even know existed. I felt so empowered by that knowledge. And following graduation, realized that there was such a need for people to just have information, to have advocacy, because they felt the same way I did, terrified, and like, there's no way to control it. Birth is unpredictable, like, oh, well, I guess we just leave it up to fate. And I've learned since then, there's so much we can do that is attainable, that's not like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to achieve or to have in your life. Yeah. Isn't it crazy to think like as a woman, even in like this day and age of like information, knowledge, everything around us, we still can be so I say like clueless about our own body and like what we're capable of, what our options are, what our, you know, health is and like everything that yes. goes into that. Like in all of your knowledge and like what you've obtained, like where do you think the biggest disconnect is and why do you think that kind of is? Like, why aren't we getting this information just on a day-to-day? -day? Like, I think it's like, where do you think like the system is kind of failing in that? I feel like there's so much mystery and mystique surrounding the female anatomy. People are afraid to talk about it. They make up different weird names for it. Um, they, our society is just so disconnected from their bodies and from birth. Uh, you don't witness it every day. Like back in the day, your aunties, your grandma, they were all at the birth and they were at each other's births. They were so, it was an everyday thing for them. And so it was beautiful, it was natural. They knew what to do. Nowadays we go in, we pop them out, we leave and, uh, we're like, oh, the doctors have that all handled. And we're learning more and more like 80% of uh, errors are like maternal deaths are preventable. And a lot of it is over medical uh, intervention. And I think demystifying women, like that comes down to culture, comfort. Does your family talk about those things? Does your culture talk about those things? especially here in the South, there's um, a lot of modesty and purity culture. And I think those have their place, um, but not when it comes to these things. Like there's so many women who don't know the most basic parts of their physiology because they feel like it's dirty or it's gross or whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you were an emergency cesarean with your mom. 
Yes, so, I'm her oldest, and she did two V-backs after me. Okay. Um, but I was going to say, like, I, did she go for a V-back, or what was that journey like? And, like, how was it growing up? Like, were you guys discussing these things and talking about it? We were. We were talking about these things. My mom has always been very open with us. For my mom, so I'm the first grandchild on both sides of our family. So my mom, the only women in her life who had given birth was her mom and her mother-in-law. And both of them did natural births with zero complications, the whole whatever gamut. And my mom thought, well, that's going to be my experience. So she shows up to the hospital with me. They put her, you know, she was, I think she was past her due date. They artificially ruptured her waters and things got moving along. And essentially they had her on her back. Our heart rates went down. It was really looking like touch and go, like we were both going to die, me and my mom. And so uh, they just wheeled her out. And she said she remembers locking eyes with her brother and thinking that might be the last time she'd see him if she died and I was a kid, she would kind of joke like, yeah, they just ripped you away from me. And that imagery just makes me, (laughs) makes me cry. But we've always been very, very close, my mom and I. And I think some of that stems back to the shared experience that we had in that room and how she just wanted to be near me. Yeah. Did you ever figure out like what was causing the heart rates or like, did you have a a cord situation or... No, we don't know that much. I mean, it was long, long time ago. And again, my (laughs) mom was so, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. and my mom, she just, I think she was also too afraid to ask. Yeah, She was so stunned by the whole experience and it's still, um, so actually my mom didn't actually start healing her cesarean birth trauma until I became a doula. That was the cool time. Um, I started learning everything and I read in one of my books and it said, these exercises can be used 20 years postpartum. And I was like, serious? And I wasn't quite comfortable working with strangers yet. So I invited my mom over and I was like, hey, can you just come do some breathing exercises with me? And she was like, yeah, totally. So we sat on my apartment floor We did some exercises with like some gentle affirmations, just talking about our bodies, showing it some love. And my mom started crying. And I was like, mom, are you okay? You know? And she's like, oh my goodness. Like for the first time in my life, I'm acknowledging this part of my body. And she referenced like her cesarean scar. And um, with tears in her eyes, she said, the person who came from my scar is now healing it. And so that was like, that, and then that's that when you started moment. crying. <laughs> that was when I started crying. And that's like the moment where I was like, okay, doula, being a doula is not just about advocacy for me, me, Maddie, I was born and I have power in this space, helping women truly heal. Yeah. And that was like a switch for me. It was more like, okay this is what I was born to do in my life. And um, I've since talked with my mom. I was like, are you okay if I share this story? You know, cause this is your medical history. And she's like, Maddie, my birth story is your birth story. So that's kind of a really big part of my journey is my mom. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. And it's crazy to me, like as somebody who has had a successful VBAC to think like, 
maybe she didn't process her cesarean and fully heal from that until now, but she was able to have two VBACs. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, I, I'd love to have a conversation with your mom there. Like, how did you yeah. like have a VBAC and not, cause I think a lot of the times it is the fear that's holding you up and like, just like not processing it, like not like, you know, having that relationship with your scar or like being able to say like, you know, that is what happened. And like, we are moving forward. Like each birth is different. Um, so, you know, like more kudos to your mom for being able to do that and, and not really like, um, you know, be fully like healed and processing of the cesarean. So, so that's crazy. But I mean, also like, wow, that you were able to have that moment with her and like do that. And I think like, that's what we have to understand too. Like that postpartum period is really like anytime after you had baby, like it is yes. not just it's the, forever. Like, six weeks. It's not just like six months. Like I even, I guess like tend to frame it in like, it could, it could be up to like the first six years. Cause I feel like that's when you're still like, you know, your baby's like dependent on you and there's like other things going on and you feel like, everything's just kind of still swirling around and whatnot. But um, to think like, you know, 20 years later to be able to have that moment is really wild. What we're learning like as doulas and as like birth workers and things and stuff like that, I think um, like almost like secret like knowledge, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, I feel like there's so many things I take for granted. And then I talk with my moms each day. And I'm like, Oh, wow, this is knowledge that isn't readily available. And they're like, Oh, what's that? And I will share more because it. Yeah, I never want to overcomplicate explaining. But sometimes people are like, "Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Because there's so much mystery surrounding our health. Yeah. And I'm sure like, as you have, you know, gotten better with your work and really like focus in on what you're doing, you have created a way of making it more like manageable and accessible and really like easy to follow for that, like everyday mom. So absolutely. What other things have you really focused in on and that you really try to incorporate when working with your moms to make it manageable for them? Wow. Yes. That's a great question. I feel like there's so, okay. There's mystery surrounding women's health, but there's also an oversupply of internet information and it can get really overwhelming, scary, especially for women who genuinely get pregnant and they're like, I want to do everything for the perfect health of this child and reading up everything online. It's impossible to do every recommendation, but all of a sudden these women are like, how can I possibly do this? I also feel like there's a lot of power in following your intuition, in letting go of perfectionism, simplifying your life, really. I really like to tell my moms to pick their priorities, like pick three things that are really important to you and just stick with those three things. A lot of these topics can feel like you're on a hamster wheel. Like, oh, I just learned this. I've got to add that. I've got to do this. And you just keep going and going to what destination? I don't know. The perfect baby. (laughs) And after baby, it's this like insane need to bounce back. And I think these principles apply to then as well. Like 
okay, let's get back to the basics. Let's simplify this. Let's get some priorities straight and also cut yourself some slack, do some self-care. It's okay. You pointed out like such a good point there because it is like super hard to really grasp all this knowledge that we're getting. And I think it is also sometimes a lot of like contradicting information, you know, like one person says like, it's okay to eat this. And another person says, don't you dare eat that. And so like, it's really hard to know, like, quote unquote, like, what's the right answer? Like, what's the perfect thing? And I think, you know, you do have to set like your own priorities and really focus in on what you want for you and your family moving forward, because you are going to find so many different options out there and you are going to find a whole list of things that support such and such options. So I think it's just like, we can, we can only do so much as far as like what we are looking for and trying to obtain, but what are your suggestions in like the top priorities? That's such a good question. Let me think about this top priorities. I feel like nourishing yourself sometimes when you're nauseous or you're busy and you're on the go, um, you're hungry, you need to eat, but then you're like, Oh my gosh, I have to make something or, Oh, this isn't a healthy option. I feel like number one priority is eat, eat. And I I heard something this week from somebody that I really liked. It said, eat what you want and what you need. So your body, if it craves something, it probably needs some nutrients that's in that food, even if it's sugary. I mean, maybe your glucose levels are low. Who knows? But when you crave those things, pick up maybe the thing you're craving and then add a few carrot sticks or add something else that will give you that peace of mind. Um, But there's no need to beat yourself up because when that perfectionism sets in of like, no, I have to follow this, your brain, like, have you ever done the exercise? Okay, try to forget this. And the more you say, I'm trying to forget this, you're literally just reinforcing and you cannot forget something that you continue to remind yourself of. And I think the same thing works with food. If you are craving something and you continue to deny, 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 the craving just grows stronger and it doesn't go away. Um, And then you just are in this loop of shame. And so giving yourself permission, give yourself permission to eat something and add something to that. Yeah. I think there's so much to that. And I think you can dive down deep uh, in a rabbit hole with all of that. But I do think it is like going back to like, you know, understanding your body and what it needs and what it's feeling and seeing, um, tapping back into that intuition a little bit more. And like, that's something that like, I work with my clients too, as far as like understanding our like calls. So you will to like what food we're craving and everything, because sometimes it can be like your body thinks like, Oh, I want this because it's like searching for like a certain thing that you're lacking. And like, there's like common cravings that you might be having that is like actually telling your body like, wait, no, like you need more of this. Like if you like really like chocolate or you feel like you're craving chocolate, that's actually that you're like needing magnesium. 
And like yes. that magnesium hit is actually going to like help with that chocolate load. So like, yeah, a little bit of chocolate is fine. But if you want to eat like a whole entire chocolate cake, like let's slow down and maybe try adding in like nuts or seeds or fruits or something that are going to have like that magnesium in it instead of like eating a whole entire chocolate cake. So like, I think just like rationalizing like your pregnancy cravings maybe, and just like taking a second to be like, do I want that? Like, do I need that? Or like, is my body trying to tell me something else? And so like, yeah, I think just like understanding our bodies and understanding that like, maybe there's just a disconnect in like, you know, what we're feeling or thinking compared to like what our body actually needs. And that like gut brain relationship, I think is really powerful. It is. And I've seen the power in my own life. Like all these things that I talk about, I practice in my own life and I love sweets a lot. And since practicing a little bit more intuitive eating, just being, taking away the guilt and the shame of eating different foods, I actually don't crave them as much. And I don't mind adding something healthy to what else I'm, I want to eat. And it ends up balancing out. That's, that's the other thing. I just like to say it balances out. It really does. So don't freak out. If one day you just didn't eat a lot of really healthy things the next day you will. And they're all going in the same place, your stomach. Yeah. So can you give us kind of like maybe a little bit of background? Like I know your personal story, but like what really kind of was there for you that like caused you to really dive into like nutrition and wellness and like why you were going to school for this topic and like how you have been able to utilize it in your doula work. Yeah. So I did my bachelor's in exercise and wellness. And uh, before I know exercise, that word can be very polarizing for people. Some people hear it and they're like, oh my gosh, a gym buff. And there's other people who are like, yeah, let's go. Let's exercise. I am the first type. Uh, And going to school for that, a lot of people were surprised. A lot of my classmates were trying to be athletic trainers and fitness people. And I genuinely just wanted to attain something I didn't have. Growing up, my family, we were health conscious, but um, it just always felt like exercise and health in general was always just out of reach. And there's a lot of autoimmune illnesses in my family as well. So going to school, I just wanted to learn what I could to make mobility and nutrition accessible. I wanted to figure out, like, I just wanted to demystify it for myself. Like, okay, how can this be realistic and manageable in my own life, really? And it turned into, a whole four years of college classes and on stress management and anatomy and exercises. And it was really enlightening learning little tidbits of information that gave me a peace of mind about how I was living. So like, for example, I learned in one of my classes that low intensity exercises use a greater percentage of fatty acids and blood glucose while the high intensity ones use less of those things and more of muscle glycogen. And that's just a fancy way of saying that when you're doing low intensity exercises, it's attacking more fat. 
that one fact, that one tidbit of information was like, oh, I don't have to go run a marathon to be a healthy person. I can walk each day. And some of those little things made me feel better about not being so perfect about cardio and hit and, you know, running races and doing things. And I, those things are great. And I love that people find joy in those things. But for the everyday person who's on the go, who has so much going on, there's so much guilt and shame surrounded on what we, I'm making air quotes, should be doing. And going to school for this really helped me to break some of those things down. And so I translate that for my moms, helping them realize that, yes, you're pregnant, you're tired, take a nap, but then go for a walk. You know, oh, you're worried about um, gestational diabetes. Did you know that every time you eat, your glucose goes up, but if you go for a walk right after eating a meal, you lower your blood glucose. There's just so many things that it's like, oh, that's really easy. I can go on a 10 minute walk. Most people can. And it's not like, oh, you got to hit the gym. You got to do this. You got to do that. So I don't know. I'm really all about accessing this knowledge, accessing that every movement counts. That's, I think that's my favorite phrase. Every movement counts. Yeah. Yeah. And I think incorporating like the idea of like, maybe not calling it exercise and just calling it movement, because I think people do associate exercise with like high intensity and like, you got to sweat and you got to like, you know, burn all those calories. And I think if we see it as movement, it's just like, we have to move our body. Like, like, I think it's just part of being human is you get the opportunity to move your body and how you choose to move your body really kind of helps just, um, I don't know, be a, be a human. (laughs) All of it contributes. Yeah. Yeah, When you do basic, like say you're chasing your toddler around today while you're improving your cardiovascular health, you, that takes energy to chase a little kid around, to play with them, to give them your time and attention. And that kind of walking we've already, it's been shown to reduce your cardiovascular um, issues. And so really when you're chasing that little one, you're in like a walk half jog thing. You know what I mean? There are benefits. And that's what I mean when every movement counts. You don't have to dedicate certain exercise times to get the movement in each day. Some of it you already do and you don't even know it. Yeah. I will say carrying car seats around has definitely uh, worked my biceps. <laughs> oh yeah. Strength training at its finest. You know, like getting it out of that car, walking around somewhere with it. Um, you know, it's like little things like that. Like you might be like, oh, like I'm not getting a workout in, but it's, you know, being pregnant is, I feel like a workout in itself. And like, being a mom and just like chasing after your kids, like you said, like you're getting that movement in. And I think once we like are able to be more aware of that and acknowledge that like those little simple things that we're doing every day are actually incorporating into making our health better. I think it like, it lessens that load. So uh, yeah, I think, I think just being more aware of how you're moving your body is kind of like rewarding in itself. Like you're like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, I didn't get that workout in, but like, look at what I'm doing every day. Yeah. I honestly, it's cool to just take into account what you're already doing. And I feel like 
I don't know about you, but I'm obsessed with like check boxes, you know, like, oh, I did it. And that gives me the fuel and the excitement to go on and do more. And so sometimes it's just looking at where your life is right at this moment and finding those little things that you're already doing, giving yourself a pat on the back and then adding one thing. Like really, it's just about living the life you want. And even with pregnancy, like a lot changes, but you are still a person. You still were healthy enough to, you know, you conceive that child. They're growing inside of you. You don't have to completely alter your life just because that one thing has changed. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like for like working with a lot of VBAC moms, I think like we want to like, quote unquote, like do all the things and check all the lists and like make sure that we're like doing it perfect so that we can like have that birth that we did not have with our cesarean. But I think it is like important to point out, like if you're just doing that one thing, like one thing different than like you did before, like that could be the one thing that just helps. Like I think positioning is super important in birth and like, especially like with the V-backs. And I think the movements that we do can help, you know, transition and, and get that positioning a little bit more, um, ideal. So what would you say, like in working with moms, like where movement comes in as far as positioning? You know, I am a huge fan of hip dips. I think they're super fun. They can be turned into a dance and put to music and they help with aligning your pelvis and getting baby's head to go lower and engage and that and and walking. I think are probably my favorites. Oh, and stair stepping. I love Ooh, yeah. like the sideways <laughs> stair stepping. Yeah, I think those are probably my favorites. Yeah, I think like specifically like VBAC related and just like in general, like I guess like any birth really, but um with VBAC, like I think spinning babies like definitely like comes to mind, like mile circuit, like any like pelvic tilts, like stuff like that. Um, I I mean, I'm literally sitting on a birth ball right now just because like I started <laughs> using one when I was pregnant and I just like have become obsessed with it. Like I love it just like in my office and like I like bounce around on it, like sit here. Like, I think birth balls just help with like rotating your hips and like, you know, just there's, there's so many different things that we can be doing and incorporating and it might seem like little and simple, but like, it really helps connect with your body and, and just get things moving. It really does. And out in the world, there is so much and you look at it, your eyes get wide and you're like, I could be doing this. Look at that mom. Look at what she's doing. Look at that family. Look at what they're doing. And I read this health blog and blah, 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 blah. but then you step in with just finding what works for you and adding simple simplicity to your life. All of a sudden you're like, Oh, I only need like two of these things right now. And then those two things become such a, a part of your life. You don't even think about them. That's when maybe you add two more things because we don't have to make these massive life changes to slowly, gradually improve. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think it is like overwhelming sometimes, like, especially when like, you know, you have been through this life that has never introduced you to birth before. And now here you are pregnant, trying to like obtain all of it. And they're like, Oh, well it takes nine months to make a baby. And it's like, but like, there is just so much out there and like 
if you are not familiar with it, like it can be really, really overwhelming. And even like, I mean, here you are like educating yourself and like doing doula work without even being a mom. And like, I'm sure when you become a mom, like if you want to become a mom, I should say, um, there is going to be stuff that like, you are still like shocked and overwhelmed with, because it's just like, you don't know what you don't know until like it comes up on you. And absolutely. I feel like I'm definitely going to have a doula when we have our kids. And uh, I look forward to that time. I've learned so much from all these different moms. And I really feel like I've been able to work with dozens and dozens of families. And the cool thing about that is I get to see how each family does it. There's tips and tricks that help each family that might help another most of us, if we're not birth workers, we only witness the births that we have. And um, I think in some ways, like when I work with my parents, they don't know what to compare it to. And I think that can be a blessing or a curse for me as a birth worker. I will know what to compare it to. But also, I think that's what makes me a good birth worker is I'm able to bring in things that have worked for one family that will work for the family that I'm working with. Yeah. And like understanding that, like, you know, with your clients and just like, you know, as a mom, like listening, if, well, you could be a birth worker too, but like, just like as a person listening, like understand that, like we are all different. And I think like understanding those limitations and like respecting like what somebody is like willing to do and wanting to do is super important because I think a lot of the times it is kind of like, oh, well, they just told me to lay on my back. So I laid on my back. And then like, you have like regrets and stuff maybe, or, you know, like you wish you could have done something differently. But I think like when we know like what our different options are and then like kind of like pushing for that, maybe in the moment, like you might say like, oh, like I want to do this. And it's like on your preference list, I could go down like a whole rabbit hole with this. I'll Oh my gosh, me too. Well, (laughs) but like, yeah, like it's just like, if you want that like certain position, like maybe it doesn't like come. And so I think like in the moment you're going to like feel differently than like maybe you had like planned for. So like having all those options available too, I think is really important. Absolutely. Having those options available. And just a side note, as a birth worker, I feel like my best tool for advocacy is just giving mom space and time because um, especially at hospital births, I go to home and hospital births, but especially in the hospital, everyone's kind of on a, a, a time schedule and, you know, everyone's buzzing around and there's so many things and they're taking care of multiple labor and delivery rooms. And I remember being at a birth and this mom just like started crying and she seemed so overwhelmed and she was just allowing all, you know, there was so much going on. And I just looked at her and I said, Hey, the nurse just said you're healthy and baby's healthy. There is no rush or hurry for them to do any of the things that they are doing right this moment or saying you have to do right now. Like you can ask for space to think about what you want to do next. And that's when she was like, Oh, okay. I can do that. Cause also I feel like we feel like those heat of the moment decisions really, how many of those are, are actually super urgent and how many of those can we ask for a break and assess the information, simplify it, and then choose what you really want to do. I think that's also a huge part of advocacy is just giving them space to make that choice. 
No. And like being confident in your choices, which I think is like, you know, sometimes easier said than done. But like, I think it's just like getting to a point of like, no, this is what I want to do. And like having that, like, why behind it, I think it's just like really important because like when it comes to those harder moments, like, you know, us as doulas, like, I don't feel like we're meant to make the decisions for the mom because then, you know, you're in the same position, like that the provider might be like making those decisions for the mom. So like, we're not there to like make all your decisions. We're there to give you the options and give you that space and say like, Hey, like this is what's going on here and really like be a grounding presence. But like, you can't look at us and be like, what should I do right now? Cause it's like, we want you to make like your decisions and we want you to feel confident in those decisions. And we want you to feel like empowered with like everything that's coming. So, yeah, I think there's, there's just so much there. And I think like, I'm sure you feel it too, but like the more like you get into birth work and the more like you hear birth stories and the more like you're around like other moms and stuff, it's just like really cool to, to learn all these different empowering moments and just like tips and tricks and things and such that like uh, I'll go into it that like I feel like unless you are exposed to it you don't necessarily know it's true it's true I think there's just I don't know it's a beautiful part of life I am amazed every day by moms and my moms um and I just always want to wrap them up in my arms and be like you're doing a great job you're already doing so much oh my goodness I feel like this conversation can just like go and go and go. I always like, I I literally love doing this and I love like talking about like birth and babies and postpartum and, and everything Me that too. comes with it. <laughs> but what would you like to add maybe that we haven't like touched on yet or like something that you really try to instill in the moms that you work with that um, we haven't covered yet? A key thing that I really like to do with all of my moms is breathing. It's such a basic aspect of our existence. We usually don't think about it. And so sometimes I'll do intentional breathing and remind them it centers them, but it also helps their muscles, which is so cool about that. But just taking a moment to breathe in and out, breathe fully like expand your sides, your stomach and your back, just really getting all of that air inside of you and releasing that and just being mindful of who you are, where you're at. That type of breathing, it signals your vagus nerve and reminds your body to relax. And I think that's something every person can do to recenter, to trust themselves and their intuition and to feel like, I did something good today. I love it. So how can we reach you, get in contact with you? Where do you mostly hang out? Um, You know, we mentioned Greenville, but like where are your service areas? Yeah, so I service for births and postpartum anywhere from Anderson and Clemson up to Spartanburg. And I also do virtual doula support for anyone in the U.S. So all of those things are accessible there. You can find me at GVL Doula Besties uh, on Instagram and Facebook, although I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think what else do I miss. Oh, my website is doulabesties.com. Uh, I'm always trying to add new things. If there's something you want to know, shoot me a DM. 
And I'm happy to create some type of resource or make a little post about it because I love sharing what I've learned. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So fun talking with you today. It feels so natural. I love connecting with you, getting little coffee dates and things. There's just, you're a bright light in the world. And I love what you're doing with this podcast because I feel like so many people need to hear everyday conversation about motherhood. And I love that this is available to people. Well, thank you. I love doing it. So this lights up my day. (laughs) Thank you, mamas, so much for listening. Remember, you are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's do this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Message me, email me, call me, beat me. You know how to reach me. We're doing this, mamas. I am so excited to catch you here next week. This is your one-stop go-to place for helping you find the resources you need to make the best choices for you and your family during pregnancy, birth, and most importantly, postpartum. See you later, mamas.